Gold? Who sees gold? I see nothing but air. Hello, and welcome back to the Decrypting Crypto podcast. As always, I'm Austin Knight, and I am joined today by my co-host, Matthew Howells Barbie. Matt, how's it going? I'm good, Austin. It's good to be here. Um, I actually, I just finished reading uh, Bitcoin Billionaires by Ben Mesrich. I yeah. watched it. Uh, I watched it. I read it uh, while I was on a on a flight, and uh, I would say for anyone listening, it is a highly entertaining read. Um, I know me and you were talking a bit about the book from I think it was a Laura Shin podcast, so they had Ben Mesrich yeah. on, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was it was an interesting read. There is definitely some uh, questionable parts in it. It does at the <laughs> start feel like just a massive apology from Ben Mesrich to the the Winklevoss twins. That's I think the funny thing about a lot uh-huh. of because um, <laughs> he's like, oh yeah, the like the, it basically has this whole narrative at the start about how the Winklevoss twins felt felt like so demonized in like the film the social network and stuff and you're like reading it and you're like wait you were the guy that basically did this, <laughs> you <to got them."> <laughs> this. <laughs> yeah so. that's that's quite an interesting story for anybody that's not familiar with uh with bitcoin billionaires the the same author that wrote this book also wrote a preceding book that basically attacked attacked the winklevoss twins and turned into the movie the social network which was sort of that like very the very first like real takedown piece uh Mm. at least in mainstream media of facebook and zuckerberg and everybody that was involved in that whole thing um and then now yeah i remember listening to his episode of the I think it was the unconfirmed podcast with Laura Shin. She has two now. Um, but he was, yeah, he, he he went on for a couple minutes about how he just feels bad <laughs> because he like totally misread these people. And they actually are like very, you know, uh, they're tech visionaries is, yeah. is I think a lot of the message that he wanted to send. Yeah, I think uh, I, I kind of actually, by the time I'd finished um, reading the book, it it was it was kind of a bit of an uplifting and very optimistic viewpoint of the whole cryptocurrency space um it's it's definitely i think a really and and, it, and i'm pretty sure it's going to be a film i think this is going to be a really good and 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 entertaining um book or and or film um for people that are not in the space to mm-hmm. kind of get an understanding of its origin story um yeah and we'll have some interest in it because like it's basically the charlie shrem show for a lot of it which is just hilarious and <laughs> um i think that that's going to be that's going to make for very entertaining viewing uh, but yeah. it, i think it will probably help explain what this whole thing of bitcoin is all about to people that don't actually care that much about the technology right just, yeah want to kind of know in the same way as like the tech industry at large people are there who aren't in the tech scene they're interested in the drama that unfolds right and I sure. think that's what this does a good job of. yeah which uh, sort of the significance of all of that and and what he's writing a lot in the book is that uh 
the Winklevoss twins weren't a one-hit wonder because there's a lot of speculation or, or belief around them being like one of the big Bitcoin whales. And they were huge. What we know for sure is that they were huge early investors in Bitcoin. Yeah. How much they hold today, I think, is not confirmed. No. But that's kind they of what own, he talks about, right? Yeah, they own at least 1% of all Bitcoins in yeah. circulation. Like, <laughs> it's a crazy huge amount. The... I, I I knew that they'd invested and I knew that they'd made some really bold moves, but I until I read the book, I didn't actually realize quite how bold some of the moves mm-hmm. that they were making were. Um, it I mean, it was it's it's really interesting. I'd highly recommend it. It's also worth pointing out that we are in no way affiliated to this book sale. I just genuinely <laughs> uh, found it very interesting and I thought it was one of the few kind of like crypto blockchain relevant books that i would actually recommend to just friends and family that are just not even interested in this world in any way um because it is just entertaining it can appeal to a more general audience for sure speaking of entertaining what about that video that you you shared with me (laughs) the other day yeah yeah so we found this video from uh back in 2011 it's still up on youtube it was uploaded years and years ago it's a tutorial of uh how to buy a pizza from Domino's using Bitcoin. This guy, it's its like such a classic, you know, like real tutorial um, where this guy goes in and he's like, okay, so today I'm going to show you how to buy a pizza from Domino's with Bitcoin. And then he proceeds to spend 19 Bitcoins on screen. <laughs> <laughs> just a just around roughly 200k usd yes for a single pizza um so yeah kind of a we'll, we'll pop the a link to the video in the description it's a fun thing to watch to see that sort of like actually happen in a screen recording and um to see on the video like how the comments evolved over time as well yeah um but i still i think that this this gentleman uh, Michael Hendricks, who made the tutorial and uploaded the video and everything, I, I have to assume that he's okay because he <laughs> was involved in Bitcoin from the very early days and then he continued to stay involved thereafter. And this service that he was using to like uh, transfer the Bitcoin into fiat currency and then like turn it into a gift card and purchase the, the Domino's pizza was a service that he built himself. So I imagine yeah. that he's all right. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure he's doing okay. It's it's actually, I find it really funny when people talk about kind of like the, it's like on Bitcoin pizza day. And I, I can't even remember how much the, the person paid for that first pizza, but it was significantly more than 19 Bitcoins, right? At the time. And people are like, oh, that person must be devastated now. It's worth like, several million usd and i'm like no he probably isn't (laughs) devastated right now because that meant nothing to him then and i'm pretty sure he had a serious factor on top of that of bitcoins that he still owns today that are worth significant amounts yes Um, also if i recall correctly bitcoin pizza day and these these sort of transactions that happened that were in the very nascent days of bitcoin were actually really pretty critical moments in the yeah. like the proof of concept for this technology so i think an argument could made that could be made that if people hadn't like 
sacrificed those couple million dollars of Bitcoin or whatever they're worth today that they would have never ended up being worth that in the first place because the technology and its use cases would have never been fully proven out. 100%. And I think it is just like these seemingly small steps that, yeah, are like landmark moments in mm-hmm. and something as simple as, yeah, buying a pizza, right? It doesn't sound revolutionary in any way, but it's incredibly significant. And this now the the landmarks are much grander right like things like um being able to just like we take for granted now how easy in it is to just buy bitcoin like Mm -hmm. you you couldn't just even with like mount gox uh way back in like 2011 to 2012 okay it still was not like buying bitcoins from coinbase back then uh there was a lot of extra work that went into actually getting bitcoins and it's all it's paved the way to now where we are and i think with a lot of the next steps that we're going to see around like improved user experience a bit of maturity in the companies that are starting to operate in this space um and more mainstream companies getting involved in cryptocurrency there's there's going to be many many more landmark moments that that will be coming in the next kind of years to come but yeah on the note of mainstream companies getting involved in digital currencies <laughs> i think this brings us to our first main story to talk about and i guess to summarize it's that uh it's a bit of a shit show at libra right now <laughs> yeah it's probably an understatement right yeah so this is this is pretty big um just recently over the course of a single day visa mastercard stripe and ebay all quit facebook's libra so um that's actually all but one of the payment processing companies that signed up to be part of the libra association the only one that remains is a dutch company called pay you Um, So what that means is that if you recall from when we originally talked about Libra, Facebook had hoped to have 100 members as part of the association by the end of the year uh, after their initial launch with 28 members when they first announced this whole thing. Uh, They now have 21, so they're they're tracking negative Hmm. toward their goal. Not not looking so rosy, I would say, in terms of that. And it's worth also uh, calling out as well that a week before the um, the likes of Visa, Mastercard, Stripe, and eBay pulled out, PayPal also pulled out from the association as well. And it, most notably, this was one day before Facebook's like inaugural meeting that uh, they were holding around. I say Facebook; it's the Libra Association's uh, inaugural meeting that they were holding to really discuss things like. Uh, governance, board structure, the future plans of the project, etc. So quite quite a spanner in the works. And there seems to be a pretty clear reason why this has happened. Yeah, I, I think that this is where it gets really interesting. Um, whenever you see a bunch of companies buy into an association and then all depart in a single day's span, uh, it's there's something very coordinated 
uh, behind that, right? Uh, and so what we've uncovered is that the departures of these companies came after two U.S. senators sent letters to each of the companies urging them to leave the project. And those senators were Brian Schatz, Democrat from Hawaii, I believe, and Sherrod Brown, Democrat from Ohio. And in the letter, they said, quote, if you take this on, you can expect a high level of scrutiny from regulators, not only on Libra related payment activities, but on all payment activities. That's quite such a strong a, statement. Such a statement. I, yeah. Um, my like after reading that, the, all that I could think was like, did a mob boss say this or was this from a U.S. <laughs> senator? Like this yeah. sounds like such a huge threat, almost to a degree of extortion. Mm. Uh, it it feels very dirty to me, and uh, apparently we're not the only ones that that feel that way. Brian Armstrong, the CEO of Coinbase, tweeted that it quote feels very un-American to have two senators writing to Visa, Master card and stripe to ask them to withdraw from libra and i agree and i think that un-american is a rather generous term to apply to that yeah i i, I agree i think that and this is um we'll, we'll share out links to the letter that were that was sent by the two u.s senators um we have the pdfs of those and also to the twitter thread from brian armstrong i the thing i liked about brian's take on this was he kind of framed this as look regardless of whether you're pro-Libra or anti-Libra, like, th th there's something that just doesn't quite feel right about the approach taken yes. to this. And when yeah. you get... And I feel a similar way. I've actually been... The more time that's gone on and the more we've been discussing this, Austin, I've been getting more and more anti-Libra in my yeah. feelings towards this. Um, that said, when I... When I saw and I've read through the letter a couple of times, I it didn't feel good to me. And no. that there are some valid points that are raised in the letter. I mean, they cite um, the fact that the the Libra Association and specifically Facebook have failed to really give any meaningful clarity on how a lot of the um, the actual technology is going to work within the uh the libra digital currency um we're still waiting to hear more information on like the reserve things like that regardless of what leaked information has kind of come out so it feels kind of very threatened actually i saw today as well just before we started recording that the uh the european central bank said that it will not try and block libra um how long that will hold i'm i'm unsure but it's a a surprising take, I, I think, from the EU, uh, or at least the European Central Bank, to to kind of be more open-minded, I think, with some of this, because it feels like the US as a whole is not very open. And it's clear that Donald Trump, I think we discussed this previously, is, is very anti-Libra um, and what Facebook are trying to do. But sure. it's, it's not just uh, the government. I, there's been, I think, in amongst all this, several... Big voices in the tech space have come out uh, really against this. I I, mm -hmm. I thought this was interesting. Um, so Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, um, he really took a swipe at Libra, which I kind of felt was somewhat out of Tim Cook's character to yeah. publicly do this. So it kind of felt 
like he must have very strong feelings here. So I'll, I'll quote what Tim Cook said. He said, I really think that a currency should stay in the hands of countries. I'm not comfortable with the idea of a private group setting up a competing currency. A private company shouldn't be looking to gain power this way. Um, that was <laughs> said Tim Cook as he <laughs> placed his Apple card on the table to pay for dinner. <laughs> Like Which the cognitive so dissonance in this is astounding to me. Yeah. It's not that I disagree with Tim. I just think he's a rather odd person to be pointing fingers at private companies trying to gain power by controlling finances when they just right. released the first off they have like the biggest bank out of any private company in the world and then they just released this card that's actually been very successful it's being called the most successful credit card of all time yep. uh, it's a it's a stab in exactly the same direction 100 percent, and i it feels to me like um it's been said very strategically as well uh yeah because th this is clearly like libra would be a threat to apple in many ways and we haven't discussed this much before but apple cares a hell of a lot about being in the payment space just like many of those association members that joined like visa mastercard etc paypal um the difference being apple did not join and clearly has no intention of joining the libra association um the, the, the other final thing that's worth calling out as well, so when we say that the, uh, the, the members of the association have left, when the, this was getting pretty close to the deadline, and this is really what the meeting, uh, the, the inaugural meeting I was talking about that was happening the day after there was this mass exodus of these payment processing companies, that was actually to give like a full hard commitment from all of the association members up to this point it was kind of like a signal of intent to 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 be a part of the association there hadn't been actually any money that had been pumped into the association from these uh founding members at this point so it feels like to me if any of these companies were even remotely on the fence i don't blame them for jumping out they have a lot to lose in this especially with some of the the language that was kind of uh, used within these uh, letters, the risk has probably well outweighed the the reward. But it's going to be really challenging times now for both Facebook and the the Libra Association as a whole. Yeah, yeah, and I really have to agree with you, Matt, as well as with Brian Armstrong, CEO of Coinbase, that um, even if you do not like Libra or the concept of Libra, which I think Matt and I have been pretty clear, we personally have serious reservations about. Um, the way that this situation has been handled should be concerning to everybody, and especially people that uh, want to see decentralized currencies um, get into the hands of, of people around the world and empower them to have alternative access to, to monetary power. Mm -hmm. um, I think that the, you know, I saw Libra as a, a risk, but also an opportunity, and it's the the dialogue that it's been generating with legislators, especially in the U.S., and I think that this type of a response is uh, rather heavy-handed and should be concerning not only to, obviously, to folks at Libra and, and to people, companies that were part of the association, but really to anybody that is interested in seeing 
this category of technology succeed at any scale. 100%. Well, let's let's jump into the the ongoings of like the meeting itself that was held, right? Which was to, it took yeah. place on Monday, uh, that's October 14th, 2019. Um, much of the meeting itself was pretty much devoted to establishing like basic governance, um, which like before the meeting on Monday had been just a proposal than actually anything concrete at this point. Uh, the meeting still went ahead. Of course, the the likes of PayPal, Visa, Stripe, MasterCard were all absent from that meeting, only included uh, those that were there. But one significant thing was as a result of a bunch of people leaving as well, They um, the association named five board members um this included uh the likes of the zappo ceo wences cesares uh there's the andreessen horowitz partner katie juan and david marcus who was the facebook blockchain lead who had been kind of the primary face of the the project until now um and coincidentally a former uh senior director over at paypal uh bertram perez was appointed the coo and interim managing director i'm still kind of unclear on what all of the roles of these individuals like what their day-to-day is going to kind of be looking like right now with so much up in the air but they are searching for a ceo right now as well right yeah yeah so they did manage to appoint some interesting people i think that especially with the departure of paypal and then the fact that they got this former senior director from paypal bertrand perez as the chief operating officer uh is interesting but certainly i think we're we're still like prior to the meeting you know as you mentioned matt um this was more of just a proposal than something that was concrete and i think that things uh solidified a little bit more as a result of the meeting, but definitely around roles and responsibilities and a ton of other details that I think legislators are going to be interested in, uh, things are still up in the air. Yeah. And speaking of so, legislators, there's, there yeah. is another kind of Unsurprisingly, <laughs> yes. The, the U.S. House panel wants Facebook's Mark Zuckerberg to testify on Libra by January uh, because of the the lack of solid information. So uh, what we've heard is that Facebook Chief Operating Officer Sheryl Sandberg has tentatively agreed to testify before a U.S. House committee on October 29th about the company's plan for their digital currency. Uh, But the panel will not schedule the hearing until Mark Zuckerberg commits to appear by January. So they really want to hear from him. (laughs) Yeah, I I really wonder whether that'll actually happen. Um, But they it it certainly seems like from what they've been saying that that's pretty much like a a core ask. Um, I say ask uh, request at least. Um, from the the House panel, I, I quote from um, the one of the House Financial Services Committee chairwomen, uh, Maxine Waters. She said, um, and this was actually at a hearing related to Libra in July. Um, so this is kind of being resurfaced a little bit here, but she said Facebook's plans raise serious privacy, 
trading, national security, and monetary policy concerns. Not only for Facebook's over 2 billion users who have immediate access to these products, but also for consumers, investors, and the global economy. I think that we kind of get a good sense of the way that regulators, the US House, the government, across the US in particular, how they feel about this project. And I do think it is going to be a serious uphill battle for Facebook to keep this project alive. And it's going to... I'd be very surprised if they weren't anticipating this happening, though. Yeah. I I, I feel like... Um, hmm. I feel like the response and the backlash to it has been it was certainly much larger than even i anticipated um i wonder like i i think that facebook is facing a lot of scrutiny on a cryptocurrency that is not just about the cryptocurrency it's like left in the wake of all of these other problems uh, that Facebook has been facing that have in turn caused higher scrutiny than I think they would normally expect, specifically around privacy and use of data. Um, and I wonder if, uh, like, if the if the organization that they set up internally at Facebook, and especially the leadership at Facebook. Um, if they had anticipated this, then I guess I would expect them to continue with the project. I have to say, realistically, I feel like it's bringing a level of scrutiny on the company that um, they probably they don't want to have <laughs> right yeah. now. Um, they have other fish to fry, other problems to deal with. They don't need to take on new controversial projects that are going to pile on scrutiny. And so I guess the conservative leader corporate leader in me, um, if I were to channel that, would say, uh, let's find a way to gracefully um, pause or wind down this program uh, until we get through the storm. But of course, I don't know what folks at Facebook are thinking, and nor do I really understand how committed they actually are to this. Like, I think mm -hmm. we've heard a lot from the the folks that are directly involved with Libra, we've heard quite a lot less from decision makers uh, elsewhere at Facebook. Yeah, I think that my take here is, I think it's going to be incredibly difficult for them to backtrack now. I think that um, them dropping this project would have pretty material impact on shareholder confidence i think less about mm -hmm. the fact that like i don't think facebook shareholders would have prior to facebook announcing libra have necessarily said we would love if facebook launched a digital currency um mm -hmm. and it's probably more risk now on the flip side the fact that they have went down this route and have not been able to execute and if they did pull back it would be known as a spectacular failure would probably make me feel quite worried about Facebook's ability to pivot from what they're doing right now, which is under, as you say, serious scrutiny, um, and could leave them kind of between a rock and a hard place, really, because it's clear that Facebook for a long time has wanted to get into the payment space. This is one of the most viable paths for them to go in. 
I, I think that realistically, the company has been investing a lot into this for some time now. I mean, I think it was what at the I go back to when Mark Zuckerberg posted that uh, Facebook post with where he mentioned cryptocurrencies for the first time, and I think it was yeah. like January 2018, right? For him to have posted something like that out, they'd been working on this for quite a while. I mean, David Marcus had already shifted over to the blockchain division of Facebook unofficially by that point. So I'd imagine they've spent a serious amount in this. Um, my biggest surprise, actually, in all of this is their failure to bring on more companies into the Libra Association, if I'm honest. I thought that that would have... Of all the things that I thought that they would successfully do, is I thought that they would be well oversubscribed on that 100-member limit, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 And that, so far, unless they pull something out of the bag in the last couple of months of the, the year is certainly going to be looked at as a spectacular failure in, I suppose, what is an early stage of this project's lifeline. Yeah, I think you're right. And uh, I think that if they had succeeded, and to be fair, there's still a little bit of time for them to make some progress on that. But um, if they had succeeded in bringing those the right companies on board, especially before this letter and exodus of the the payment processors, um, that I think were some of the most impressive logos that they had in the association, like MasterCard, Stripe, Visa, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, if they had managed to bring on more strong companies of that likeness, that it would have created a a lot of weight behind the work that they were doing in a sort of strength in numbers fashion. If you were to imagine, you know, a group of a hundred very powerful and influential companies backing a technology um, and not to pit them against each other, but just for the sake of simplicity, going up against the U.S. government and regulation, I think that um, putting all of those minds together, you could come to a resolution and launch a technology fairly meaningfully. but making progress in the opposite direction as a direct result of senator influence um, and then failing to bring on additional companies uh, of that magnitude, I think could that kind of feels to me like it kind of just leaves Facebook as the only company that's like ultimately responsible for getting this through and making sure that it sees the light of day. And mm-hmm. it's not that I don't believe that they can do it because they certainly have the the resources and the influence to do something like this. But I think it's going to be a lot harder and a lot rockier of a path. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, Libra to one side. Let's let's finish out on uh, one story that we were talking a little bit about um, yesterday when we were chatting, uh, which I think is a very positive and interesting uh, project that's being pioneered by UNICEF, the uh, the global charity. And they, they've actually launched a cryptocurrency fund. And I think this is really interesting. And the, the, the TLDR here, right, is that uh, UNICEF will now be able to receive, hold, and disperse donations of uh, cryptocurrency. That's either in Ether or Bitcoin uh, through their newly established fund. And it's a comp- it's a first for any of the UN organizations. Um, 
they'll use the cryptocurrencies to fund things like open source tech that can benefit children, young people around the world. But uh, what I find really interesting here is that they can, it doesn't sound like, and I might be misinterpreting this, um, but it doesn't sound like what they're going to be doing here is like just taking in Bitcoin and then sending out USD or Yuan or whatever um, local currency that they're supporting in. It seems like they're also going to be using that to actually support uh, and provide aid in or donations and support in cryptocurrency as well, which I find incredibly interesting in all this. Yeah, I agree. There are some cool quotes from Henrietta Ford, UNICEF's executive director. She said, uh, if digital economies and currencies have the potential to shape the lives of coming generations, it is important that we explore the opportunities they offer. That's why the creation of our cryptocurrency fund is a significant and welcome step forward in humanitarian and development work. So I think this is a nice indication that um, they're open uh, to using innovation uh, as a means to better serve uh, children and young people around the world, which is th their mission. That's the thing that they care the most about, right? Yeah, and it's nice to see that um, just off the back of, of DevCon as well, the Ethereum Foundation um, are the first contributors to the cryptocurrency fund. I'm not actually sure quite how much they are they're, they're pushing into the fund, but it's, it's a really nice way, I think, for kind of the, the the wider blockchain and cryptocurrency space to get more involved in what what actually started out a lot with um a focus around things like charity solving like real problems for underprivileged individuals um and a great use case of a traditional company and a charity charities are not necessarily companies that you associate with pioneering like cutting edge technology um to do this so it's going to be interesting to see how all of this shakes out and i'm sure if someone as big as unicef does this that will give a lot of um a lot of i guess confidence for other charities other players in the space because managing and tracking donations and aid is another massive global problem um the that comes with um its challenges pretty much around any humanitarian aid uh, challenge that's that's presented. Yeah, I think we have discussed in the past this idea of being mm. able to track, like if you were to make contributions in Ether or in Bitcoin or some form of a cryptocurrency, being able to track exactly where your contribution went. Um, very interesting prospects. I think uh, the, the adoption of cryptocurrencies by... Um, nonprofit organizations will, I think it's going to bring on some exciting times where we see uh, the more open ability for people and organizations to donate and also to understand exactly where their money is going and how it's being used. 100%. Well, on that note, we will see all of uh or at least you'll be listening to our voices again hopefully next week when maybe just maybe there will be <laughs> additional libra association members or maybe not maybe there will be more uh leaving the doors certainly what i am seeing is there is pretty much news jumping up by the hour around um everything surrounding the libra uh association so i'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about next week until then you've been 
listening to the Decrypting Crypto Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and want to show your appreciation to myself and Matt, give us a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting platform. We really appreciate that. You can also visit thecoinoffering.com to learn more about cryptocurrencies, get caught up on some news, see how your currency is performing. And you can follow us on Twitter at thecoinoffering, as well as email us at podcast at if you'd like to get in touch. The contents of the Decrypting Crypto podcast should not be used and are not intended as investment advice. Please do your own due diligence before making any investment, cryptocurrency or otherwise.